Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This podcast may contain, but is not limited to, strong language, sexual content, violence, and death. This podcast may not be suitable for listeners under 18. Hi, I'm Christina. And I'm Crystal. Welcome Welcome to to Crime Crime Night. Tonight's episode is about the attack of Kayleen Harris and Crystal Searles. So this is kind of almost like a continuation of our last episode where we talked about Tommy Lynn Sells. Um, so this is kind of his last victims um, on his crime spree. This basically is the case that put the last nail in his coffin. Kayleen Joe Harris, also known as Katie, was born on September 27th, 1986. At the time of the incident, Kayleen was actually... 13 years old. Uh, Her parents were Terry and Crystal Harris. Now we will be referring to Crystal Harris as Mrs. Harris because there is a another Crystal in the story Mm -hmm. so and and not to get you guys confused on who we are referring to Crystal Harris will be referred to as Mrs. Harris. Um, Now Kayleen was the second oldest She had a brother, Justin, who was 14, and he was actually blind, and a sister, Lori, who was 12, and also there was another brother named Sean. Now, he wasn't really mentioned in it, so I don't know if he was even born yet, or maybe they just didn't mention him in the story at all, but I couldn't find anything on him, but he was eventually born into the family at some time or another. Now... Kayleen was described as being very popular. She was a beautiful young girl. Uh, She was very well liked by her fellow students. And she was just your typical teenager. So Crystal Searles was 10 at the time of the incident. And her parents were Mark and Pam Searles. And they were actually divorced. Pam did have a live-in boyfriend by the name of Doug. Crystal was the oldest of three girls. Um, she had two little sisters, one named Marquis and one named Amber. Marquis was seven at the time of the incident. And Amber, um, she wasn't mentioned in there, so I don't know if she was born later on. But she's not, wasn't yeah, there during the incident or wasn't mentioned at least. Mm-hmm. The Harris family actually lived west of San Antonio, Texas. And they lived in a trailer. And it was pretty much out in the middle of nowhere so a very quiet area was probably nice had large land so the kids can run around and play so it was probably good for that aspect yeah it was probably like a safer location to be out in mm -hmm. the middle of nowhere you don't have a lot of people stumbling upon you to commit crimes or you would think Pam, Doug, and the Searle girls were moving down to Del Rio, Texas from Kansas. So they were in the process of of moving. And Pam was already friends with the Harris family. They had met when they were both in Kansas. So the Searle family and the Harris family actually were friends back in Kansas. Now the Harris family moved down to Texas somewhere around 1984 five-ish I believe it was um so they had been friends and um got along really well so Pam was trying to get her life together and was going to relocate down there to get away from everything at home 
and that she had friends already down there that she would have known and the kids would have had friends that they would have been able to play with. So they would have <laughs> just kind of, you know, been a little more comfortable than moving somewhere where they had no idea of anybody <laughs> or anything. Anybody. <laughs> mm -hmm. So Pam and Doug still actually had to go back to Kansas to pack everything up and move it down. And being that they had the small kids, it was going to be easier for them to leave the kids down in Texas and go back to Kansas to pack all the stuff up. Now, mm -hmm. Terry was going to go with Pam and Doug to help finish the packing up and moving and stuff like that, while all the children were going to stay down in Texas with Mrs. Harris. That way, like I said, it'd be easier. You don't have three little kids trying mm -hmm. to get in the way, and it's just... Yeah, and traveling with three kids oh. is going to take forever. All the bathroom breaks <laughs> and everything. Yes, we know that one quite well. So on the evening of December 30th of 1999, Doug, Terry, and Pam headed out towards Kansas. So the trio left around 6 p.m. that night. And later on that evening, after they had you know taken off, uh, Miss Harris was at home with the kids and they're getting settled down uh, for the evening to go to bed. Ms. Harris and one of her younger daughters, Lori, stayed in the master bedroom while Justin stayed in his own room as he was the only boy. Right. And plus, he was he was blind, so that was probably more his, comfortable for him. Yeah. It was probably smarter for him because he knew that was his safety zone, pretty much. Yeah. And he probably knew where the layout everything and was. everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Kayleen and Crystal actually stayed in the room that's normally Kayleen and Lori's. So Lori slept with her mother while, you know, the girls could have like a little sleepover, a little party. party. And they shared the um, bunk bed that was in there. Kayleen slept on the bottom bunk and Crystal slept on the top bunk. And when you guys were little, little you guys, you slept on the top bunk. Yes, so I did. Crystel <laughs> slept on the top bunk too. Yes. And, uh, Marquis, Crystal's little sister, slept directly across the hall as Crystal and Kayleen didn't want the little sister, you know, in their business. So they didn't let right. her sleep with them. Right. And, and, and they didn't get along. So Marquis and, and her sister Crystal, they didn't get along either. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was from the age difference or if, you know, when you're around other people, you act a little different. Maybe you try mm -hmm. to act because Kayleen is older than Crystal to begin with yeah, by so several Crystal years. So I think she was trying to act, act older. Right. And Marquis is too young. <laughs> yeah. So she was going to be. You know, getting in the way, getting the little kid sister getting mm -hmm. in the way. Yeah. It's a sibling thing. Yes. <laughs> Just didn't want her sister in there with them. So she slept across the hall from them in a spare bedroom over there. She actually ended up staying up for like two hours uh, pouting <laughs> about not being able to stay in the room with them. You know, typical kid would do. Yeah, typical little sister thing. <laughs> yeah. So she's probably, she probably can hear them across the hall and hear them laughing and having a good time and she's probably it's just probably making her matter and matter and matter mm -hmm. and she's probably just fuming at this point and just pouting and and oh yeah oh yeah i just yeah Doesn't want. i was a little sister <laughs> believe me i know i was an older sister <sighs> i was the youngest so but i took yes. my little sister everywhere well we we're only two years apart so yeah you guys so we didn't have as big of an age gap as well, I guess seven and ten is only three years. So yeah, but, but that extra year, that extra year makes a big, big difference mm -hmm. when you're mm -hmm. dealing with with uh, 
a seven-year-old to a 13-year-old comparison age difference. You know what I mean? Yeah, the 13-year-old is not going to want to hang out with a seven-year-old. No, no, that's too much of an age gap with that. Mm -hmm. Tommy Lynn Sells, who we did the last episode on, was actually at a local bar in town there. Um, And after the bar closed, he actually made his way to the Harris's house. And he entered through an open window, so which was kind of odd. I mean, they're out in the middle of nowhere. Why, why is he well, out over there? Unless he knows where the house is. So Tommy first actually entered into Justin's bedroom through the open window. And Justin heard something in his room. And he thought it was the two girls, Kayleen and Crystal, you know, messing around with him. You know how mm-hmm. kids are. Yeah. Especially he when they're having his, a slumber yeah. party and they're just having a good time. He probably thought that they were trying to mess with him. Yeah, play a prank. Yeah, yeah. So Justin actually said to them, will y'all stop coming into my room? And then this prompted Tommy to actually, who was still in there, undetected, to leave the room. <laughs> so he probably was like, uh, if I move out of here quickly, nobody will know. Yes. So Tommy eventually kind of stumbled from room to room and he actually ended up stumbling upon the room where Kayleen and Crystal were sleeping. Now I'm gathering that with his past history that Crystal and Kayleen were probably his intended target yes. to mm-hmm. begin with. Mm-hmm. So Tommy actually climbed into the bottom bunk with Kayleen and put his hand over her mouth and showed her the... 12-inch knife that he had. He had actually brought this knife with him. So that's enough to get you to shut up. Yeah, especially at 13. And you're, that would be terrifying at 13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tommy actually began to sexually assault her and she somehow wiggled herself loose and she jumped up and screamed. And now when she screamed, this actually alerted Crystal. So Crystal kind of like opened her eyes like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And she kind of seen this man in there and what she kind of seen everything going on and she was trying to lay you know she laid still as yeah. possible and i'm sure she was frozen with fear and yes. then, you know you don't want to make a move and maybe he won't know you're there kind of thing. right mm-hmm. right and at this point he had jumped up and he went over and he turned on the bedroom light switch so now the light's on she's laying in the top bunk probably frozen yeah, in just fear. completely still trying not watching. to be detected, watching what's going oh, on. Could you imagine okay. just what's going on in her 10-year-old mind? This poor girl mm-hmm. who didn't have the greatest upbringing now is dealing with this with her friend. Mm-hmm. So when Tommy actually turned on the lights, he also got in between like Kayleen and the bedroom door so she couldn't get out. So Tommy actually went behind Kayleen and put his hand over her mouth. So she couldn't scream anymore. Mm-hmm. And he slit her throat twice. And then she dropped to the ground and he stabbed her. And I believe it was like 16, 18 times or something like that. Some excessive amount of... Yeah, excessive. You don't need to stab somebody that much. Yeah. it, it Yeah. He just... Term overkill, unfortunately, would fit this scenario. He just like dropped her to the floor and was going to let her die. Die there. Now, Crystal, who was still laying in bed... Silent as could be, watching all this going on, laying there, Tommy gets a glimpse of her out of the corner of his eye when he's turning to leave the room. Mm-hmm. And she looks at him and tells him with the biggest fear of her life, probably, she's saying, I'll be quiet. I promise. I won't say anything. So this poor girl. So like Kayleen, Tommy actually sliced her throat. 
And at this point, um, Crystal was smart enough to pretend that she was dead. So that's kind of her saving grace. Yes. Yeah. She pretended, you know, she was at 10 years old, thought to, you know, just pretend Mm -hmm. to be dead. And hopefully he will leave her alone and not Mm -hmm. continue like he did with Kayleen. Yeah. Yeah. He sliced her throat. So she's bleeding everywhere and Mm -hmm. your first reaction is to go to it you know what i mean it would be your first reaction i would think and she could even do that now with tommy believing that both of the girls were dead at this point he actually made his way out of their trailer and as he was leaving he was like wiping his fingerprints off of everything that he had touched and the window screen that he popped out because the window was open but the screen was still there so he had to take the screen out to get into the house. So the screen that he actually took out, he actually took with him. And he ended up just eventually leaving it in a field along with the the knife that he had used on Mm -hmm. the girls. He ended up leaving that there. Yeah, so he just continued, you know, going out of the house, wiping stuff down. And he just kind of walked out the front door nonchalantly. Now, knowing that all these other people were in the house, I'm not sure why he only killed the two girls. Well, he probably, because she screamed, want to get out of there and hopefully, nobody woke up yeah yeah i don't know how long it took him to actually do the crying but you would have thought by that time the mother would have heard and come into the room but she was sleeping and i I don't Mm -hmm. know the distance from room to room so Mm -hmm. she may not have heard anything i'm guessing then girls were probably up making lots of noise earlier so she probably if she heard she's probably like yeah they're just playing around still Just I rolled her eyes roll back over like uh, children. <laughs> yes, like you guys used to be when you'd have friends sleep over. Yeah. I was like, oh God, <laughs> girls are shriekers. Oh God. So after Tommy had left, Crystal assumed that everybody in the house had been attacked. She just, you know, assumed that if he killed them, that he did that to everybody else in the house as well so she went to the um, nearest neighbor she knew about which was about a quarter of a mile away Mm -hmm. um to call for help so she had to go a quarter of a mile with a slit throat bleeding this poor girl Mm. later she ended up finding out that everybody else in the house was still alive and didn't didn't even know what was going on they're unaware of the situation as they were all in the house sleeping when she did get to the neighbor's house he immediately called 911 because obviously she was clearly injured at that point and she couldn't speak because you know her throat was slit and it was messing up her with her vocal cords and whatnot so she was unable to speak so she actually was able to write down the information so she wrote that the harrises were hurt because at this time she Still thought mm-hmm. that everybody um, had been attacked, and so she yeah. wrote down that that um, the police needed to get there, you know, as soon as possible. Right. That, for them to hurry, tell them yeah, to hurry. That people are dying mm-hmm. there. She also asked the neighbor if she was going to live because she probably thought that she was dying. I mean, at ten years old, I would have thought I was dying. Right, right. And I know during an interview that they mm-hmm. did with the neighbor, he actually said that he thought that she was going to die right there in his kitchen just because of the amount of blood and the severity of the injury that she had and you know i mean nowadays would people be so apt to answer the door when somebody's come pounding on it and bleeding i mean i don't know back mm-hmm. then things weren't as bad 
Mm-hmm. So you could trust people. A yeah, more you could trust back people then. More. So I don't know if people would have opted nowadays with some kid coming pounding on the door. Would they mm-hmm. let him in? You would they know? even answer the door? Right. They don't. They wouldn't have known, especially out in the middle of nowhere. You know, late at night. I'm surprised they answered the door. I'm really shocked. Well, it was nineties. Yeah, and I guess if if people are out there, gonna they're gonna know somebody out there mm-hmm. because you're not just gonna stumble across this neighborhood. Like, I'm gathering. And that was back in the day when, like, if somebody was coming over, they would knock to see if you're at home. Like, you mm-hmm. didn't text before you go. Like, <laughs> like now, text when you get there. Yeah, total difference. Different time. Yeah. After arriving to the hospital in San Antonio, she did have to undergo a surgery, um, but she was able to afterwards write the description of her attacker. She described him as having scruffy, long, curly, dark hair. And she also just said that he was big and scary with a long, bushy beard that covered his whole face. And she also recalled after he had left comforting Kayleen after the attack until Kayleen was noticeably um, passed away. Despite having been injured, she was still concerned about her friend. Right. She still went to aid to her. And I I think that that Mm -hmm. also had a lot to do with her background. Like she was the mother figure almost growing up because her family was kind of a mess. So I think maybe that that kind of kicked in, that comforting mm-hmm. thing kind of kicked in. So mm-hmm. she went to nurture her and hoping that she would make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it was nice that Kaylee had somebody mm-hmm. there with her at the time that she passed. Right. So she didn't actually die alone. Mm-hmm. Yes. So as soon as Pam, Doug, and Terry heard about the situation, they obviously immediately turned mm-hmm. back around to go home. Nothing was actually missing from the house except for the window screen. So the police did determine that it was sexually motivated, which looking at his records, not surprising. Yeah. Uh, the police also believed that the attacker knew the family in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. They just felt that he hadn't been familiar with them. Obviously, their house was in the middle of nowhere, and he knew where this house was, and he seemed to have got in, did what he was planning, and then got out perfectly fine mm-hmm. um, in, you know, fairly quickly. So after the sketch of the attacker, based on her description, was shown to her parents, Doug actually recognized the man, And he stated that they actually ran into him at a gas station on their way out of town. He remembered his name being something like Tom or Tommy and that he worked as a car salesman. He himself was not familiar with this man, but he did get the impression that Terry was familiar with them. And speaking to Terry, they did find out that the Harris family had met Tommy and Tommy's wife, Jessica, at church. And Tommy actually had visited the Harris family home multiple times seeking marriage counseling from Terry. Terry also had purchased a truck from Tommy. So Tommy was not only familiar with them themselves, but he was familiar with the layout of the house as he had been there several times. Right. Before. And I'm sure the kids were there when he was there too. So mm-hmm. he kind so, of probably knew who was in which 
bedroom relatively, you know. Yes, yeah. So after Texas Ranger John Allen was able to track Tommy down and obtain a photograph of him from a crime database, he showed that picture as well as five other photos in a group to Crystal, kind of like a photo lineup, to identify him. And she was able to identify Tommy from the lineup, the photo lineup. Yeah, she didn't hesitate to pick him out. She picked him out right away. So that was him. I'm sure, you know, after being through that situation, the attacker's mm -hmm. face was probably burned into her brain. Right. And she watched, you know, she said the light was on in the bedroom. So mm -hmm. she watched everything that was going yes. on. And I would imagine she probably had nightmares about it afterwards and she seeing did. him in there and, you know, yeah. seeing his face every night. You're going to know which mm -hmm. one it is when you pick him out. Tommy Lynn Sells, age 35, was apprehended on January 2nd. So it didn't take him long at all to go to his house and get him. And well, they had a witness. So. Yes, they had a witness. So, But he didn't even like try to deny it or struggle or, or run away or anything. He just willingly went with them. Mm -hmm. Now, he actually confessed to the murder um, during the ride with the sheriff officer. So he confessed pretty much right away. Immediately. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'm wondering if he confessed just because he was, it was going to be the end of it. Like he, he, he was probably wanting to stop, but couldn't stop. So maybe this was something, a blessing for him. Maybe he was hoping that this would happen. Eventually he would get caught. So he wouldn't have to continue going around killing people. Or maybe he thought he was going to get charged for something else i don't know because he's always gotten away with everything yeah, before this is so very true yep so over the next few months tommy actually confessed to a string of murders and at this point they now have realized that they are de dealing with a serial killer mm -hmm. which makes sense as he you know went into the house to specifically assault and kill young mm -hmm. girls that Tends to be somebody who has escalated at that yes. point. Tommy actually claimed to confess to bring closure to the families of the victims. And he had claimed that he had found God during his set in prison. Which I hear that happens quite often. Now, Tommy did a videotape reenactment of the attack so he did that pretty much right in the beginning they actually took him back to the trailer and he kind of did a walkthrough with them on what he did and where everybody was at and how he committed the crime and all this so he wasn't he wasn't trying to hide anything he was very forthcoming with all of the information he also continued to work um, with the texas ranger and uh, to provide details about other crimes that he had committed over the years so he, he, again, was willing to give as much information as as possible. Yeah. And I wonder if he just wanted to be prolific. Mm. We know that does happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Quite frequently. Mm -hmm. Now, some of the information was very vague, and it was kind of mixed up with other crimes. And he had trouble remembering certain things. But, I mean, if, if you did that many over about Crime two over. decades so 20 years right um, and, and he was often uh drinking and on drugs, drugs yeah. so you, that kind of clouds your memory right so he could have had some of the stories confused or mixed up or mm -hmm. time framing's a little different and, and stuff like that mm -hmm. but he remembered a majority of it he had enough sense that he did kind of 
you know, remember all these that he did. Now, Tommy would eventually stop talking and stop cooperating with the Texas Ranger as, as actually Tommy was more interested in taking these field trips than actually providing, you know, the information. Mm-hmm. But Which you again, see a lot, too, with people, yeah. they'll, you know, murderers, they'll take them out, and then they keep on wanting to get out. Get that little go, sense, they gave them a little sense of freedom, almost, at that Not point. just that, but, like, this power they have over the yeah. police officers, like, I know information you don't know, kind of thing. Right, and if you want it, you have to continue taking me, and I'll, yes. I'll share that with you, but you gotta continue. Yes, you gotta give me something, and I'll give you a little something. And he seemed to be that kind of person, like, in the interview, I did watch part of the interview, I didn't want to really watch all of it, but did watch part of an interview with him, and he was very, like, like, almost condescending at some points. Which I, I feel people. like a lot of, like, serial killers are, are like that. They tend to be very full of themselves and think they are. Yeah, and then he would tell somebody something and then and then he, you know, if they, they tried to cross the line to get more information from him, he he would just kind of stop them and get kind of angry with them, too, mm-hmm. in a sense. So he wasn't a very pleasant man. So even though he did stop talking with the Texas Ranger, he did continue talking with the media. Like he did crime interviews. Um, he talked on news outlets like 2020. He talked on the Montel Williams show. So he did continue talking. Because he wanted that fame. Right. But just not confessing to the Texas Ranger. Well, because the Texas Rangers weren't giving him what he wanted anymore. Right. So he was getting that elsewhere. So he didn't give that information elsewhere. Yep. So all in all, in the end... Tommy ended up confessing to approximately 70 murders. So that was was quite a bit. Um, although many of them were actually unconfirmed and some of them were proven false, he actually still confessed to them. So, but drinking and drugs, he could have had stuff confused. He could have seen something, heard something, and thought maybe he did it. I don't know. And like many people in prison, if they... Um confess to more things sometimes they get benefits such as going out places and field trips and whatnot Mm -hmm. getting better stuff better things segregated maybe or get a better deal or something maybe like a plea bargain Mm -hmm. it is believed that he actually committed dozens of these murders that he confessed to so there was there was proof in some of these crimes there was backing for him Mm-hmm. So they did get some of the information and were able to connect him with them. And we did go into detail with some of these crimes in the last episode. So if you do want to kind of watch that, you'll see. I mean, there was quite a few that we covered. We did pick like some of the main ones. There were other ones that we just kind of didn't really cover a whole lot. But we did want to cover this particular one a little bit more because this was the the one that actually led to his capturing mm-hmm. and conviction so the state of texas indicted tommy for capital murder on february 8th of 2000 at his trial began on september 12th he did plead not guilty despite having already confessed um he did admit to attacking crystal i would assume probably because she was alive although she did see him murder her friend but he may not have known that she had seen that as he didn't notice her till after that happened and she's underage being only 10 you know he was mm-hmm. probably 
thinking that she wouldn't be a reliable witness or Mm -hmm. so the jury actually deliberated for two hours before convicting tommy on september 18th so they convicted him fairly quickly after the trial it was done quick yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and on september 20th just two days later tommy was actually handed a death sentence on December 11th of 2013, after many appeals, he actually was finally scheduled for an execution on April 3rd of 2014. Um, so he did yeah. go through a lot of years and years of appeals before coming to the point where they actually scheduled his right. execution. And I know I, I had read a lot of stuff on death penalty and death row inmates and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And they say an average death row inmate is in prison for at least 10 years prior to them being killed executed executed there mm-hmm. you go so i mean there is a large time okay. frame which and makes I, sense because you want to make sure that if you're executing somebody yeah. that that they are the ones who did it that you know they've right. had all their rights given to them and you don't want to you know they, just execute yeah, they took all the avenues people. that they could to find out whether they were actually the right ones or not mm-hmm. I mean, and this mm-hmm. one was yeah so he you know they determined he definitely um yeah. did do that so while on death row tommy actually had internet access and sold art that he had made but you hear that a lot a yeah lot, i hear there's a lot, a lot of <laughs> so did he did he actually like art or did he do this because other people or does it just so happen that a lot of serial killers happen to be artistic too? I don't know. Because I, I do see like a lot of, like if you think about a lot of mm-hmm. serial killers, John Wayne Gacy. Um, well, that Samuel Mar- Little that we've done previously too, which he killed 93 people. He mm-hmm. did artwork and and of the people that he yeah. had murdered. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and Charles Manson had yeah. artwork. And yeah, they so just... Just seems, it seems like a thing. Yeah, it seems like a lot of do they have art classes? Murders are creative. Yeah, but I think a lot of them. I know, like John Wayne Gacy and Charles Manson did art prior to mm. that. They're both artsy people, just in general. Huh. So after years of being on death row, on April third of twenty fourteen, Tommy was finally executed at forty nine years old. He was the fifth inmate to have been executed in texas that year crystal and her family as well as the harris family and members of the prez family which we mentioned in the last episode who also um was the family of another victim of his they all were present at the execution yeah and uh, i know like after the execution was over members of the the Perez and the Harris family actually did speak to um, some news media people um, that were there for the execution. So they did actually, you know, speak out and, 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 you know, let them know that they, and yes, that they were present while he was actually executed. And I, some of them said that he went too fast for their likings. So the execution did only last. 17 minutes ish so so you know they try and do it in a humane they have to yeah Mm -hmm. they have to do it in a humane manner no matter what other people's thoughts are on how they need to be killed and and Mm -hmm. executed i should say how they need to be executed and how things need to be done they still have to do it 
in a humane way, regardless yes. of if they're killers or not. After his conviction of the murders of Kayleen Harris, Tommy was actually charged for murder in 11 different states, some of which he was eventually convicted on. Although he, although he was only given like lighter sentences for these other convictions, and this was because he was already on death row, so there's really nothing else that they can do. I mean, you're already on death row. There's no, yeah. no like adding to it or anything like that. I mean, you're mm -hmm. going to be executed regardless. So yeah. yeah. So even if he's convicted on other things, it doesn't like up his punishment or anything. Right. He's still in the same location. He's, he's I guess getting it all. he's not getting off on death row. He's <laughs> yeah. I guess the only thing it would be good for is if for somehow one of his appeals went through and then they could at least put him in jail for right away for one of the other yeah. crimes. Roll it over. Yeah. So prior to his conviction, Tommy had no, prior murder convictions which he was a transient so drifter mm -hmm. so that so. kind of helped him in that scenario so yeah he, so they didn't really even know about him perpetrating these other murders until he started confessing to them so if he hadn't confessed he them been, they probably would have yeah. never known that he committed any shut. of these <laughs> yeah but he did actually serve time in West Virginia and Wyoming for various crimes, which included auto theft and drug possession and assault. So he was actually arrested and served time, served time. just not for murder. Right. So the Harris family did actually move back to Kansas after Kayleen's murder, which I don't blame them one yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, probably, they wanted to be back, you know, near their families because that's where they were originally mm -hmm. from. And, you know, you don't want to be in the in a place that is connected to negative memories. Yeah, because I'm sure the whole family's going to have trauma, trauma from, from mm -hmm. regardless for the rest of their life. Yeah, regardless, it's just going to be not good for yeah. any of them. So during a 2001 interview with Terry Harris, he actually stated that it eats him up that he actually tried to help Tommy, and that he um he talked with him, and he was a guy that was down on his luck. And he tried to help him out, and he repays him by killing his daughter. Yeah, so he definitely felt like... Betrayed. You know, he, yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. he tried, you know, he saw somebody that was in yeah, need of help, and mm -hmm. he tried to help them, and in return, this guy murdered his daughter. And he's probably thinking deep down inside that if I would have never friended him at church mm -hmm. if I would have never counseled him or if never I tried never to help him, help him that this wouldn't have happened and right and I I wonder if he puts a lot of the blame on himself meaning the parents too I mean both Mrs. Harris and, and Terry I'm wondering if they put a lot of the blame on themselves yeah, for, for bringing this man into their lives into their basically mm -hmm. yeah, but, but they're just you know you trying know. to do the be, right thing do the right thing be helpful people and Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't always end up. It doesn't mean you shun it. Right. You know, try and help others out. Just, I would say, probably just be more careful. Not, maybe not bring them to your house. Because yeah. if he didn't know where they lived or wasn't familiar with the house or anything, mm -hmm. then he might not have had the opportunity. Yeah, but he would have probably stumbled along somebody else's house too. Yeah. Maybe yeah, he was going to kill somebody that night, I'm sure, regardless right. of who it was. Right. So, unfortunately, it had to have been Kayleen. So, but Crystal 
as brave as, as this little girl was, I mean, she helped to put this man behind bars before mm -hmm. he could kill again. Yes. I mean, mm -hmm. so she was this brave little girl, brave mm -hmm. little 10 year old who, mm -hmm. who stopped him this from serial killer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In his tracks. Mm -hmm. So their family, her and her family should be extremely, I'm sure they are very, you know, extremely proud of her. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to Crime Night. You can find our sources on our website listed in the podcast description. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube under Crime Night Podcast. Please join us every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central. Good, Good night. night.